So, good morning, everyone. Great to have you here. I'm Pastor Chuck Blair, Senior Pastor here at New Church Live. It's wonderful to have you. Whether you're joining us here live as our studio audience or joining us from anywhere else in the country, any day of the week, any time of day, it's great to have you here today. And, and today we're getting started with, with sort of Christmas part two. And it's, it's interesting, when people talk about Christmas, I was thinking about this morning, they use this word prepare a lot. Like, how do I get ready? How do I prepare for Christmas? And there is something to that. There is something to how we're going to open our lives up, prepare our lives for Christmas. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. And today we're going to be talking about peace and, and this deep sense of peace. Now, just a quick poll. Does anyone in here wrestle with anxiety ever? <laughs> you know, I think, I think we all do, right? And, and Christmas, again, is this invitation to maybe think of things in some new ways and maybe find peace in a brand new way. So with that, I'm going to go over here, and I want to talk about a traditional way, if you're not familiar with the Christian faith, a traditional way that, that has been held for years. And it's, it's this basic idea that Christmas, that Advent is about an Advent, about a beginning, about a new beginning, a new start. And that start, as we said last week, comes down to four basic themes, hope, peace, joy, and love. And, and today we're looking at one and two. We're going to be combining them, hope as well as peace. And, and the idea, folks, of, you know, how, how is it that we can think? And I really ask us just to be open to this. Maybe even take a little breath. How can we be open to this beautiful idea about how hope and imagination connect in with peace? So what I'm going to do first off here is I'm going to light a candle and the, the Christian tradition is you light a candle, you light four of them, again, hope, peace, joy, and love, and then you light the fifth one on Christmas Eve. And these all symbolize, you know, these new beginnings. And, and why, why candles? Why light? Well, because light's the first thing created. Again, if you look at that figuratively in the Bible, light's the first thing created. And that idea of, of light in our life, and the first part is just this idea of a little hope and imagination and the second is a peace. Now, now, why would you have those two out front like that? Hope and peace being number one and number two. And a number of different denominations do the Advent thing differently. Almost every year I can count on somebody going, well, Chuck, that's not the right way. Well, this is our way. This is how we hold it. So I don't want you to think like, is there a formula to this? But I, but I want you just to consider this thought with hope, imagination, and peace. Maybe the Christian forefathers were thinking this. Maybe they were thinking, all right, we want to start with, with hope. We want to start with imagination. We want to start with something that, that is aspirational, something that is, that is out there, sort of almost future-oriented, that idea of, of what are we going to aspire to? What is it you aspire to in your life? Where's that little feeling of like, oh man, you know, life is good and, oh. As one author said, I think it's why we're all just a little bit homesick. <laughs> you know, because we have that aspiration for something out there. So that's kind of this reach, this stretch. And then we also have this second candle and the second candle is about peace and that's about being grounded. 
The idea that we have those things in life that we, we're called to aspire to. And again, with those aspirations, like just a side note, like apathy's always the enemy. I mean, apathy's just always the enemy. It's not about apathy. It's about how do I allow those aspirations into my heart? Even talking about them can be so healthy. And at the same time, as I reach and stretch for what I aspire to, what hope, the hope God is putting on my heart, how at the same time do I remain grounded in a deep peace? In a peace, and this is so fascinating to me, in a peace that Jesus says it will be a peace that passes all understanding. In other words, it's going to be a peace that you can't figure out with your head. It's going to settle into your heart. It's going to be a peace that is beyond life circumstances. And as we look for searching for that peace that's beyond life circumstances, that, that deep and rich peace, like how do we do that and how does that connect in with the Christmas story. So with that, folks, with your permission this Christmas, I'm going to start with a little bit of a love story. A beautiful story, Joseph and Mary. Mary is, is the woman who, if you're from the Christian tradition, from our tradition, if, if she was the one who was ordained to, to give birth to the baby Jesus. And what's interesting about this story is that this, this story is filled with all kinds of complications. If you look at this picture of Mary, it bears repeating every year. You know, Mary was really young. She was really, really young. She'd never been married before. She would have been a teenager. She would have been from the peasant class. She was not from the ruling class at all. She's the one God chooses. This becomes her role. And, and we can look at this story and start to breathe into like, the miracle of all this, right? Like every part of this story has these, these deep, rich meanings to it. Has these deep, rich meanings to it. And the idea, folks, just starting off at a base level, like God's born into our life in very ordinary circumstances. We tend in our culture to think everything has to be extraordinary. It's not how the Bible portrays it. The Bible's much more about God being born into really humble circumstances of our own lives. I say this with a smile. Joe and Jane bag of donuts. <laughs> you know, that's where it's gonna happen. Why? Because that's where life is. The vast majority of life is there. Now, with that, folks, with that beautiful love story, we, we have to paint the picture here. So, so Joseph, uh, you know, her husband-to-be, they were engaged, and, and you can think of all the incredible excitement around that. The excitement of, like, he was finally going to get married. He was finally going to have a family. And, and, and again, we're supposed to inhabit these stories. We're supposed to look at these stories and think, yeah, isn't that interesting? And part of inhabiting this story, I think, is imagining the rather awkward conversation between Mary and Joseph. Mary again saying like, oh, guess what? You know, I've been told I'm going to give birth to Jesus, to Emmanuel. The awkwardness of that, the strangeness of that story. And then it makes you wonder, well, how's Joseph going to react in these situations? And again, we're we're talking parts of us as well, folks. Yes, this is a historical story. 
but it's also a story about you. It's a story about something being born new in your life into an ordinary part, as well as another part that just can't quite believe it, might not be able to accept it. And we see those words echoed here. This is Joseph talking here, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had a mind to divorce her quietly. So he's, he's kind of caught. He's caught between law and love. He's caught between what he understands from his tradition is the right thing, which actually would have had dire circumstances for her, dire circumstances for her. I mean, if she was, quote, put out, there was no, there, was, there wasn't a welfare system, there wasn't so, there was nothing. She would have been destitute. So he's got in his mind this idea of what the law was. But then it's also balanced as well with this deeper part of love. The law said divorce her. Law said divorce her. Love said, but just make sure to do it quietly. Now that's how he saw it. And thankfully we see the story change in some very, very different directions. Because I think, I think we all can understand, right? Like, we all wrestle, I wrestle, I imagine you do as well, I'm sure you do, right? We all have this divided heart where we're trying to figure out this golden mean, this third way, the place that is in between just this kind of legalistic, judgmental stuff this place that's also not just so over, I don't know what the right word is, maybe overwrought with love that it, that, it, that it doesn't have sort of edges to it. A river without a banks is a puddle, you know, that we need some of these things. How do we put those together? How do we put them together in a way that lets God be born again? I want to say, like, to let God be born again in your life, in your life, like as it is this Christmas season. One way to maybe think about that, folks, is that the, alter the alternative to a divided heart is true belief. Now, now true belief there, how is that used? Well, well, true belief, just like hold it like this. Don't hold it as like some baptismal creed that that's, that's all there is to true belief. It's, it's, this, it's this belief that we kind of can, can allow down into our hearts that God's here. That God's with us in all these circumstances. The God's with us in the challenges of life. It's interesting, part of what's given to Joseph is this big thing of saying, like, Emmanuel, God with us, we'll be talking about that. That's the settled belief. Don't think of it as a list of doctrinal statements. I mean, doctrinal statements are important, but that, but that core heart belief is even more so because that love will have its own wisdom. And that love, our hope for you, will help you to celebrate 
deeply this Christmas season. And after this song, we're going to come back and talk about that peace that's not only connected to hope, but a peace that gives rise to that celebration and a joy as well. tree at the Christmas party hop. Mistletoe hung where you can see every couple tries to stop. Rocking around the Christmas tree, let the Christmas spirit ring. Later we'll have some pumpkin pie and we'll do some caroling. You will get a sentimental feeling when you hear voices singing, let's be jolly, deck the halls with boughs of holly, rocking around the Christmas tree, have a happy holiday. Live. This is Angela. I just wanted to invite you all to consider making a donation to New Church Live. And the best way to do that, no matter when you watch the service, is to donate online. So if you're in person or you're watching online, you're viewing it live, or you're watching it a week from now, a month from now, a year from now, the best way to make a donation is to go online and make a donation that way. Um, you can do it on our website. You can text the word New Church Live, all one word, all lowercase to 77977, um, or you can use the QR code below. Thanks, everyone. All right, now we're ready. Could I get a round of applause for coming out on time this time? <laughs> My apologies for that false start. That song just got me going. So, so yeah, the, the beauty of that, right, folks? And, and a quote I love is, most people know just enough religion to make them miserable. And I really believe that, that religion, faith, the Christian faith especially, like, it should just make you feel like celebrating. The gospel. Do you know what that word means? Like, there's, people talk about four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Do you know what that word means? Good news. <laughs> Think about good news. 
And if it's not good news, that means it's not the gospel. Simple as that. I I love, again, the, the, the word enthusiasm. Like that was how religious people traditionally were described in Theo, in God. How powerful is that? And that kind of can conjure up a deeper true belief. Now, again, it's, it's beyond just, you know, a bunch of different doctrinal statements. I know one of the things that I, oh, I just, I just have no time for it. Like, the older I get, the less time I have for it. Is comparing this list of doctrinal statements from this church with this one and this one and this one and then getting into an argument as to who's right. No interest in that. I think they're all like beautiful options on a menu. And we get to to lean into the one that somehow speaks to our heart. And our friends get to lean into the ones that speak to their heart as well. It's a much more powerful place. And that, that to me comes down to that deep, true belief. Now, now with this story, it's it's not that it's a story, as all good stories, it's not a story that is without problems. I mean, welcome to life, right? Anybody who tells you that a religious life will be the problem-free life is not telling you the truth. There are problems here. I mean, I think we're really supposed to think with compassion. First off, as Mary shares her story, which we looked at last week, and then this part where Joseph shares his, A lot of compassion there. Again, like we talked last week about imagination and hope, and and we can have those dreams, and no doubt he did. He had those dreams. And the dreams, as is often the case, don't end up being realized in the way that we might have imagined them being realized. They actually end up being imagined in new ways, in new dreams. We're going to talk about a dream. Now, now the first thing I want to share with you is just a, just a beautiful painting here. And, and it's the idea that, you know, sometimes our dreams are anguished. Sometimes dreams literally come out of, of the deep challenges of life. You know that. Where have you experienced loss? Where have you experienced struggle? Where have you experienced fear? And there are dreams around that. You might call them nightmares on occasion. There are dreams around that. And there's also a space here for dreams of care. I want to say that again. And there also becomes a space here for dreams of care. And that's what I'm going to read to you here. Here's what he is told and it is indeed beautiful. But after he considered this, so Joseph is wrestling with this stuff, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Do not be afraid. We'll be talking about that many times over Christmas. She will give birth to a son. And this is just a little nuance here, a little biblical nuance. You, Joseph, are to give him the name Jesus. The father at that time traditionally named the child. You are to name it Jesus. All this took place to fulfill the prophecy that the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they, notice they, not you, will call him Emmanuel, 
God with us. The beauty of that line. A number of parts here, folks. One is, one is this idea. You know, again, it starts out there, Matthew 1, verse 20. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. That's, that's such an important part to start. I mean, and we see that starting over and over again, that, that basic concept, do not be afraid, because, because fear will totally cloud, totally cloud what we're able to see. I don't know about you. I dislike crowds thoroughly. I don't like being all, I grew up in the country, and so I'm absolutely sure that if there's a big crowd and I'm with one of my children, guess what my primary fear is? I'm gonna lose the child. And even though that's not possible, especially when your child is an 18-year-old freshman in college, I'm still convinced of it. So we're, we're at, at this local place last night, and it is just a sea of people. And I have not been in a crowd like that. And I just feel myself so anxious, starting to get all feared up. And I'm realizing, and then I look over at the Christmas lights, and I realize, like, I'm not seeing any of this. I'm as afraid of losing my 18-year-old freshman daughter, who probably would like to lose her dad for a few minutes. Does that ring true for you? You know, that's why it always has to start with, look, just, just breathe. Don't be afraid. And again, that, that command over and over again is there because the reality of our life is that we fear and we fear not. We fear a lot. And, and many of us have gotten the fear thing down to a science. <laughs> so it starts with that, that basic, beautiful part. And then this, these beautiful words take place. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now let's, let's just breathe for a minute of how beautiful that is. So when we think about the expectation of a child, a grandchild, a new niece, a new nephew, you know, you think of, all that expectation of what are they going to look like? Yeah, and what's their name going to be? So here's this beautiful part of the prophecy where, where Joseph is told, yeah, you know what? His name's going to be Jesus. And just think of that. Like, yeah, it's not biologically his son, but it is his son in a sense. And this is who he's going to be. And, and here the angel is saying, folks, like, just, I mean, this just gives me chills. Here's the angel saying, yeah, Joseph, it's not your biological child, but you name him. But you name him. Here's his name. You get to say it. I know I, I always felt that way. We were blessed with, with five children. I always felt that way that when the kids arrived, it was like, oh, there you are. It was like we'd always known each other. Maybe in a sense we have. And then, and then the, the story takes this beautiful turn. You know, here's like you get to name him this. And, and, then, and then, you know, like all parents, right, all to be parents, we're all worried about the future. And then the angel has this beautiful statement about his future. He's saying like, yeah, you know, everybody's going to call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
What a beautiful statement and anchoring that is into a future. And that's where I think, folks, we can start to find peace under all our stories. And I think that's what this is about, finding this peace under all our stories, a peace that's beyond life circumstances. And that's why it, it surpasses all understanding. That's why it's so hard, actually, in a sense, to even preach on. Because it's, 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 it's a musical note. I mean, what words would you put to describe a beautiful musical note? It's pretty hard to do. But there is a way that we can start to see that peace, that peace that is under all our life stories. It's a golden thread. It's a thread where we remember that God is there too. It's a thread where we remember God is there too. So we start to see this thread, to see this thread go through our lives. And that's that true belief that there is this thread and the thread will hold. And the thread is what is ultimately true regardless of the circumstances of life. It was interesting, this week we had part two of our, of our small group. And again, for any of you who are interested in small groups, we do a lot of small groups here at New Church Live. They're a chance just to get together, have a conversation. We have a conversation with people from all over the country. And it really is beautiful to hear what people share and to, and to hear what they, they think and how they look at life. And this year, to combine kind of the holidays between Thanksgiving and Christmas, we did it the gift, that's the Christmas, gratitude, that's Thanksgiving, the gift of gratitude, and this is the question we looked at, and it was indeed a beautiful question. What life lesson are you most grateful for over this past year? What life lesson are you most grateful for over this past year? And if you're joining us at breakfast or lunch or dinner, that's a great question to share with somebody. You know, what is, what is that life lesson? So we shared those, and it was, it was beautiful. And then I was super fortunate as well. One of the people was on, a couple who's on this small group, They're, they live out in South Dakota, and they happen to be in the area after the small group. They came out to Philadelphia to, very, to, to, excuse me, to visit her brother, who's local here to where we are in Philadelphia, and, and they, they took me out to breakfast, and we had a wonderful breakfast celebration. By the way, I do want to just offer that. If any of you watching online are in the Philadelphia area and you want to take me out for a meal, I promise to say yes. I've never said no to a good meal, as you can tell. And, and uh, you know, we're sharing over breakfast, and, and this story gets shared by Dave, and it's, it's a story about his father, Wayne. And I want to step over here and talk about this story because I think this story is a story of peace. There's a picture of Wayne right there. So Wayne was a, was a, was a pilot, was a B-17 pilot during World War II. Grew up in the Midwest, came into the U.S. Air Corps, U.S. Army Air Corps, flew during the Second World War, flew combat missions. And this was such a powerful story. It's a story about peace, actually. Because I think it's so important for us not to see these things as always 
so deeply spiritualized that, that we can't realize it into our life. Like so much of it is to understand, yeah, there's spiritual components that are above our understanding, but there's also real world implications. That's what I want to talk about with him. So the story is this. He was flying over during the Battle, battle of the Bulge. He was flying over occupied France in a B-17. For those of you who are World War II historian, I used to be a history teacher, you know, know that this four-engine bomber, and, and all of a sudden the oil goes out on one engine. Okay, four engines down to three. And then a second engine goes out. And then a third engine goes out. I'm not a physics major, but a four-engine bomber flying on one engine is not going to be in the air that long. So he decides to make the call that it's time for them to jump out of the airplane, which I cannot even imagine how terrifying that must be to jump out of an airplane that's in a crash pattern. But they have their parachutes on. Every one of his crew member, get, every one of the crew gets out. So he's sitting there, he's sitting there above the little hatch in the B-17, you know, where you jump out, pull your ripcord, and hope your parachute works, unsure whether they're over German lines or whether they're over American lines. Unsure, you don't actually practice your airplane crashing and jumping out of it. <laughs> unsure how all this is going to work out. And folks, just listen to this. He's there at that hatchway, and he says, God, it's all in your hands. God, it's all in your hands. And he jumps and survives. And that's why David was able to share the story with me and pay for breakfast. Folks, think about that, right? Because I, I think so much with peace, right? Like, if you're like me, I imagine we think peace is all in the landing. I have a hard time believing that peace is in the leap. I believe I have peace when, if, fill in the blank. The landing. You stick the landing, 9.5, 9.5, 9.5, that'll be good. It's not the peace we're being called to. We're being called to the peace of the leap. Because this is what I know to be true. Those people who can stand at that point and just go, God, like, you just, you got this. My life literally held in your hands. Even if he hadn't survived, it still would have been okay. there still would have been peace. There still would have been God. There still would have been that thread. There still would have been true belief. Can you see Joseph's story in that? I mean, if I was to boil it down to just real, real, real basic, basic language, I would say God's saying like, look, Joseph, trust the leap. The landing's up to me. Trust the leap. 
Now, does Joseph go on to do that? Does he actually go on to, to trust the leap? Yep, I think he does. And I think so much of trusting that leap is the basic acknowledgement, yep, God with us, you know? And maybe, I don't know, I'm making up a story here, right? But, but maybe that became Joseph's mantra of life. God with us. As Mary reaches her ninth month of pregnancy, and for those of you familiar with the Christmas story, and to make the trip to Bethlehem to be taxed and numbered by the Roman authorities, did he have a moment where he just breathed and said, God with us? Well, Mary actually gave birth to the baby Jesus, not in a hospital or a four-star resort, but in a manger. And there's no doubt, you look at the story, there's no doubt who delivered the baby. It was Joseph. Did he smile? And just for a minute, hold that baby and say, God with us. And later on, when he's told by an angel in a famous story to flee that area and take her to Egypt to raise the child before returning later, another flight, another movement, another giving up all that he knew, all the expectations that he had of life, was he able to trust the leap and just say, God with us. I think he was, folks. I think that beautiful picture of Mary, I think he knew that's what was true. I think he had learned to trust the leap. I think the beautiful line, when you look at it, and it's a line like one of the beautiful parts of the Advent story is every year we read through it together, new parts will jump out at us and be like, oh boy, that, that's really beautiful. I, I think you see that with him. God with us. Trusting that leap. Where it just says beautifully in the Bible, it says he took Mary home as his wife. He took Mary home as his wife. What a way to welcome God. What a way to welcome what is being born in our lives, the newness. That newness, friends, this is from Walter Brueggemann. I love this quote. That newness. That newness is not ours. Ours is response, receptivity, repentance, good fruit, beginning again, and I would add there, again and again. We scarcely have language for the gift, but we notice the gift, and we move toward it with yearning. Beauty with that. And can you sense that peace underneath that? Again, it's the peace of the leap. It's the peace of the call. 
It's the peace of movement that is blessed. little drummer boy thank you uh, thank you Josh that was great that was great that was great so so folks like like just think just imagine like life lived right between these two candles imagine your life imagine all our lives imagine the life of this church the life of our communities that we love and cherish Imagine them lived between one part of us that's filled with hope and imagination and another part that's a very grounded peace. 
Peace surpasses all understanding. A peace, folks, and I think you can see how the two are connected here. A peace that actually trusts putting our lives in God's hands and leaping. Making that decision. Making that choice. What is that for you? How can you hold these two this Christmas season, knowing again that, that, that God is there too? God is really going to hold these things with a great deal of joy and a great deal of tenderness and a great deal of celebration as well. If we can move in our lives into that place that's filled with hope, another word for that is imagination, a place that's filled with this peace that's just like, God, I'm, it's, it's in your hands willing to take those leaps of life, some of which I want to honor, are not chosen. Probably most of them aren't chosen. Our choice is where we're going to put our peace, where we're going to put our rest, where we're going to put our trust. Imagine life there this Christmas season. Just even imagine a week where we all just very simply lit a candle a day or two candles a day just to, just to pull that home. Just remember about light. First thing created, first thing blessed. And say a prayer there. Because I think what we're getting set up for, as you can see, next week, is the joy that comes out of living that way an amazing joy, an abundant joy, a joy that's very different from circumstantial happiness, a joy that's much more about the base note of our lives. So I certainly warmly invite you to join us next week as we look at that topic. And with that, friends, what we're gonna do is we're gonna close with prayer here. I'm gonna offer a prayer, and then I'm gonna say the Our Father prayer, and you're welcome to just let the words wash over you. And then we're going to have a great celebratory last song. So please join me. Lord, thank you for your presence here today. And Lord, help us to understand as deeply as we can the peace, the peace that passes all understanding. Help us to understand that peace when we truly do put our lives into your hands. Sometimes again, a placement that will be out of desperation and fear, sometimes a placement that will be out of choice. Let it always be a placement out of love. Love for you, love for our relationships, for our family, love for our communities and our world. Bless our ways, Lord, this Advent season. Continue to open us to the light First thing created, first thing blessed. And Lord, give us peace. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I'm gonna get to know you better This Christmas And as we trim the tree How much fun it's gonna be together This Christmas Fireside is blazing bright We're caroling through the Hearts are here. My world is filled with cheer and you. Yeah. This Christmas, and as I look around, your eyes outshine the town. They do. Yeah. This Christmas, fireside is blazing bright. We're caroling through the Have a very merry Christmas!